Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Shout out to Derm Dude, the newest sponsor of the show. Thank you guys for coming on board. Go check them out for all your beard, body, and tattoo needs. Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Gridiron Coffee, Nobles Networking, Williams Tire, and our management company, Red Circle. Thank you for everything that you do and all the corporate sponsors on the show. Uh, today's show is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to wrap up a story that uh, we've told about three or four times now on here. And uh, I've just been intrigued by this woman and, uh, well, everybody in here, to be honest with you. And uh, it is where today we get a little bit more validation to the story. And I just want you guys to know that there's a different side of the tracks. There's a different side of life. And this one right here is one that we've got a lot of comments on from the show that we did. And some people was like, oh, this is full of shit. Some people was like, this is heartbreaking. And I've got to know this girl a little bit now. And everybody sitting at this table, well, besides for Mr. Police Officer over here. And uh, we are fixing to put a little bit more uh, validation to Miss April Scarborough's story. I want to start off by introducing uh, Miss Jen Street. I think she's a three-timer on this show now. Yes. Is it three times now? Third time's a charm. What's the name of your podcast? Set Free. Set Free Podcast. Yes, the Set Free Podcast. I hope you talk more on your show than you do on this one. Um, what? Nothing. You just, you give the vaguest, like, you, you can go more into question. detail of whatever you do. It's because there's a former officer sitting next to us. I feel like I have to be professional now. You said former <laughs> officer. He can't arrest Retired. me for all my drugs now? No, he can't. Let's see. There you go. We're all good to go. Yes. Just don't look around too much in here and call any of your buddies. Uh, shout out to the chief of police here in uh, the sheriff here in Cochran, Georgia. He's my buddy now. Thank you for coming by the studio and hanging out with me. He's cool. I ain't never getting a ticket again or in trouble for anything. Matter of fact. Uh, uh, and then next to Miss Jen is uh, Miss April Scarborough. How are you doing today? Good. Good. We all are back here for you again. You are. Mm -hmm. I've spent more time on your story. And talking to you than I think I have with anybody wow. <laughs> in a year. It's just I feel like people that have been through a lot need uh, to get their story out there. Told you first time uh, she hooked this up or whatever that I wanted people to hear your story. And I wanted people to make a difference. This is how I make a difference by talking shit and you know sharing your story. So uh, I hope it's doing you some good. I got a buddy that was in here the other night that ordered your book. Nice. Yeah, Cody Wiggins. Shout out to you. Uh, I love you, brother. Uh, he had a rough night the other night. We drank a lot in here, and his head still got to be hurting. That was uh, a good podcast, though. Oh, thank you. I very much appreciate it. Um, and then you introduce yourself, Miss Police Officer, because I, I forgot your name. Lance. <coughs> Lance, retired police officer from Warner Robins, Georgia. I almost said Larry. <laughs> I, don't know why, I, I don't know why I almost said Larry, but I almost said Larry. Very close. Uh, how long did you uh, serve and protect? 31 years. Thank you very much for your service, sir. Enjoyed we are every, big fans of police officers around here. Enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I hope you don't get offended by bad language because there's there's some on here. I didn't even think to I ask you. I do not. I do not. Because our, our saying around here is back to blue or fuck you. Not, I, a, whole, not a, a whole lot I haven't heard. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, did you, uh, were you a police officer in Warner Robins the whole time? No, actually, I did some undercover work for 18 months. That's cool. I know you can't tell me where, but I love that shit. It was it was different experience. Really, it's, it's like I said. Once you investigate it, but once you go out and do it, yeah, it's it's different animal. Totally different animal. Pull your microphone just a little bit just closer. A little bit to closer. You. There you go. That's good. Uh, that is awesome. That is something that I really wish I wouldn't have been a fuck up when I was younger and could have been a police officer. 
Oh, there's two things I always wanted to do. I always wanted to do like the SWAT team stuff, or I wanted to be like a Navy SEAL, and I was not cool enough to be either one of them. It's, uh, it's not for the it's not for the the, the married couple. It, it was a good thing to do when I was single. I, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't do it married. Really? No. Well, uh, did I see when you was messaging me, uh, or when I was on the group message that you were around Eastman? I was actually doing some work up here. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's where I'm originally from. It's from okay. Eastman. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, Jen, how about you do the pleasure of telling everybody how all of y'all got hooked up and associated in the first place? Okay, I'm probably going to need some help. Probably will miss out a few bits and pieces of it, but... That's what way- April and... Uh, I'm going to call him Larry again. Lance. 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 One of my best friends is ca- named Lance Stokes. I don't know how I messed up his name. I, just, I don't know. If you call me Larry, I'll answer. I'm, a, I'm just going to call you Mr. Worse. Officer. Okay, I'm sure so you have. Lance, I met him through my boss slash BFF, Jacqueline. So she um, worked at the Emporium, and that's kind of how our relationship, friendship started, was we were needing to do a photo shoot, and we wanted to get creative with it. So we were like, let's go down to the Robbins Police Department. Lance said, you know, anything that you guys need will be there for you, because Jacqueline had... Um, a property and there was a big drug bust there and Lance, you were there whenever it went down or something. And he said, you know, if you ever need anything, let us know. So we went down to the Warner Robins police department and did a little photo shoot out there in front of their new awesome building. And is that the one in front of the base? Yeah, it is. Isn't it cool looking? I mean, I'd be honest with you. I don't like police departments. <laughs> I didn't like the back of it, but I was there. I've, and, been, uh, I've been in a few, and I'm just, I love the police officers, but I don't like those fucking front, buildings Front and back, front back look a lot different. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a garage back there, and the door shuts, and it's like, it's game over once you get back there, but that was, that oh, was pretty shit. much how, yeah, pretty much how me and Lance met, and then after I got out of treatment and moved back into the world again, um, somehow I got added into the group chat for Victoria's Lighthouse, and that's where I'm at April. And Lance, and we were all in there together, and that's when I learned that Lance was the liaison between Victoria's Lighthouse and the police department, kind of like bridged that gap of help for people that needed help that were in trafficking. So how did Victoria's Lighthouse, which is April, mm-hmm. how did y'all get hooked up with, with Lance? Uh, I was doing, back in 2017, when I was working at a domestic violence shelter, and I kind of wanted to do more, so I was reaching out to other organizations, and that's when I found an organization that helped women that were being trafficked. And that's before I even realized what had happened to me myself and was able to give what happened to me a name um, through them. So I was like, the first thing I want to do after realizing that human trafficking was a thing and I wasn't just like raped, that I wanted to kind of like honor the girl that I left behind and honor like just I threw myself into like researching like statistic wise and realizing that it was such a huge issue. I wanted to like let other people know, like I wanted to shout it. Um, So I decided to do a candlelight vigil and I went to a church and a big church and asked them for their help. And they kind of helped me organize it because I never organized anything in my life. <laughs> and I still um, have it. Still learning that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done quite a few since then. But um, that was the first one. And I kind of just went and was like 
asked these other organizations to come speak. And then I was like, you know what? We need an officer that can kind of help, like you said, validate some things. So um, I called the police department and they were like, we know the right part. We know the exact person. And they, they uh, gave me Lance's information and I contacted him and also contacted the FBI. And I think that's how you met Kimberly. Kimberly, right? yep. So, so what was your position as far as like the liaison, I guess, is, is the person, were you in charge of handling sex trafficking or just a part of the unit? I don't know anything about any of that shit. So can you kind of give like people and myself a little bit of a rundown of kind of what, okay, what it, your job title was or right. whatever? I, th I think what actually helped me being with April was the fact that I had done 23, 24 years in the drug unit. Okay. So in narcotics, you cover alcohol, uh, sex trafficking. You, you, you cover just about everything but the things you see on TV, you know, rapes, burglaries, things like that. So I transferred over to the criminal investigations, and that's when I met April. So on the criminal, criminal investigation side, um, we started investigating the rapes and things of that sort. So I, I think that's what actually made me her, 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 her perfect liaison, yeah. you know. Um, I could spend all day probably talking <laughs> to you off the record. It, just me hearing stories about 22 years in the drug unit. I would want to hear. He's <laughs> got some crazy stories. One day we were up at the store and Lance came up there and brought us coffee. And we talked, I think, for three hours and heard some of the craziest, awesome stories. It is. It's it is is awesome. I love that stuff, too. I, I'm obsessed, can't I'm make obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I am a fanatic for documentaries and stuff about trafficking as right. far as drugs and, and everything. And now, like uh, one of the job, one of the things you have to do when you do this for a living, is you have to educate yourself on stuff that you never thought that you were going to educate yourself on. Right, right. So like now, I've had to since uh, Jen and April started coming around at the beginning of October or November. I can't remember now. Uh, I've had to start looking into sex trafficking and how fucking huge it is, and all these other things. Like we've even had a guy who runs. Uh, Pegasus Operations in uh, the United Kingdom, who has a huge company over there, and like they're uh, they're not they're not law enforcement; they're right. a private sector, but they help bring back kids that have been stolen uh, for whatever reasons. And uh, he like gave me a bunch of information and shit to go look up, and then April gave me some stuff to look up, and I just did not even know that there was enough of it. To where there had to be police officers in our area keeping up with it. When I, now I, I got you there because me and you both learned from April. Yeah. Um, I had not. I'd probably heard about as much about sex trafficking yeah. as you had. Yeah. Um, so April actually opened my eyes, and and that's when I went back and started pulling stuff. So to get to where me and April was at today, I had to go way back and start pulling stuff and saying, "Holy smokes, this I was, missed it. I missed it." Yeah. Did you find a bunch of that to where you thought it was just one thing, but it ended up being sex trafficking? There, there was. I went back when I started pulling the, pulling the stats and and analyzing those things like that. I realized there were five, at least five cases, where I totally missed it. I thought it was one thing, maybe prostitution, yeah, and um, or a runaway, you know, something like that, and it, and it actually ended up being the other one, the yeah. other route. Could have very well been the other route. I just had a buddy. Because of your podcast, April, mm -hmm. um, who reached out to me. I promised I wouldn't say his name. He's a detective <laughs> in Macon. And he told me, he was like, you have no idea. 
the amount of prostitution that is mm-hmm. in our area. Like you have, you mm-hmm. would be mind blown if you got to see. And he was pretty much telling me, and he's like, we're starting to think more and more now to where it used to be. I guess the concept that most of us have in our head when we think of prostitution, that there's some pimp driving a Cadillac that's picked up some girls on the street or whatever. And uh, like, I wasn't joking with him about it, but I was explaining to him that that's what I think when I think of prostitution. Right, right. Like, he's like, that's not anything like it. It no. is somebody that has sex trafficked these girls, trained them to where they do whatever they say, and they, they use them and they exploit them. And then they get nothing out of it in return besides a hard life. That's, that's, that's what, when I, when I met April, I had the hardest time because I, when I went back and looked at those cases, I'm sitting here thinking, well, why didn't you ask? Yeah. Why didn't you ask for help? <laughs> I, but looking back now, after, after talking to her and learning, now I understand why. Yeah. You know? There was a lot of your story that when mm-hmm. people were messaging me and talking to me about it, I mean, because I, th- I think like right now, your episode's like it. I don't know, 10, 12,000 listens. And I've had a lot of people that have messaged me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why didn't she just run? Why, I actually wh- write about that in my book. Yeah. And I wish I, oh, I have a <laughs> Because there's like a, a brief section where I write about it. And I think it's very, very powerful what I say. And I think it explains it. Because it's talking about like when Shorty had me in the car. And he's like, I know. I own you. And told me to go back upstairs and, and clean up and then come back downstairs. And I was asking myself, why, did, why don't you run? Why don't you call the police? Why don't you do this and that? I'm sitting there going over that in my head. And then it's like the pure fear. I'm like, you don't realize the fear that's over you at that moment. And it's literally the flight, fright, uh, what is it? Flight, flight or fright. fright. Yeah. Um, so that is literally going over in your head. You can literally... I said, at that moment, you can literally taste the fear. When I mean taste it, you can taste, like, the blood pumping in your body. You can taste the metallic of, of the blood because it's pumping so fast. And that's kind of, like, how I go into describing it is, like, literally, you don't realize that fear unless you've been in that fear. And I've only seen that fear, like, I felt it, you know, a few times in my life. And um, each time when my life was threatened and I seen it in that girl's eyes and in that man's, the girl that I left behind and the man that, that got beat up. Well, and I think, I think it was weird too. They have you had you manipulated so much. Oh, how I, old were you when it happened? Yeah. 19. See, yeah. I think 19. I mean, your, your brain's still developing then mm-hmm. and you, you get fear put in you. So I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. No. And I already had a hard life. You know, I already had that, and I was always looking for love because I didn't understand what love was. I've already been abused so many times already, and so I was acceptable to it. And also, like, you know, I'd already been through the whole drug phase and all all that stuff in my life already. So, yeah, I was just just more acceptable than, than a lot of other people. And that's why, too, like, when I started telling my story, Lance, I remember you've seen how I've grown oh, yeah. over the years Absolutely. telling my story. Because at first it was like I was kidnapped and da-da-da. And over the past few years, because when I started telling my story, it was these organi- other organizations telling me how to tell it. And then finally I was like, you know what? It's not about that. It's all It, it started in my childhood. It, it started with this. And this is what people need to know because this is what most of these victims go through. And Lance can probably verify that a lot of like the the one with a girl. The juvenile, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that I'm one always thinking, gets me. When, 
there was a juvenile that that absolutely was exactly like the situation she just said. She was a runaway. She had been abused, and she basically said, "Hey, look, this this guy treats me better than anybody else has ever treated me." Wow. And, and I said, "So, how did you get caught this time?" She said she had jumped out of a second story motel to get away from law enforcement. And and it's hard to look at that and say she needs help. Well, it's, it, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to. I mean, in most cases, and Jen, you being a recovering addict, you probably know this better than anybody. There's a lot of people that you don't want to give help to because they don't want to help themselves. That's right. 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 So that's what you felt like. That's yeah, what it that's felt what I'm like. saying. So when you see somebody running from law, you probably as law enforcement officer, you're like. This is just a way of life to them. Like they don't need help. Exactly. Like they're trying to get away from me. If they really needed help, they would run to me, not away from me. Exactly. That's probably the, how they were raised and taught to run away. Yeah. Like they're, that's just their upbringing. You know, me. I was always taught. You know, if you get uh, caught behind you, you pull over, you act polite, you do everything you're supposed to do, even if you're in the wrong. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yeah. But you've got some people that are in trafficking that are raised in you know not the best circumstances, and then all of a sudden they're you know, they've got the chance to do something and they're scared to do it. It's Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. And people don't realize how bad that is. It's the same thing with DV. It's literally, you're, you're brainwashed. It, like, when I was telling about my ex, he would take away things. He would give me things. He'd, like, he'd buy me a washer, but he kept lights and um, stuff away from me for, uh, like, two years. So it was give and take. And that's the way it is I'm, in that world. I'm watching it's, this. I'm watching this thing now, to where uh, it's called uh, it's called Mayor Mayor of Youngstown. Um, it's on Paramount Plus. Everybody's listening to me. Just go watch it. But um, it is where there is a liaison that is between. It's a community in Michigan to where within a ten mile stretch there are seven major prisons, and you have the police, and you have the local government, then you have this guy who's called the mayor of Youngstown. That is the liaison between the police and the gangs because the gangs run the prisons and all this type of stuff or whatever. And I just watched this episode to where it is where they had to remind the gang members that they're giving them a little bit in order for them to act right. Like, mm -hmm. right. And, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you got to remind them that I can take away more. Yeah. So I, I understand what, what you're saying into the point to where they would probably give you a gift. Mm -hmm. They would probably shower you with a little bit of affection or a gift or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of days later, they would take it away from you mm -hmm. to remind you that who it's has easily, the power. Yeah, yeah, who has the power. As easily as I can shower you, I can punish you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's like narcissism. It is. It is. There's a lot of relationships that I have noticed more and more. The more I dive into stuff and my brain gets more w twisted than it already is. <laughs> The more I realize what true narcissism is, you couldn't have said a better word there. And that's what a lot of things are right now, or a lot of relationships are that you see with domestic violence, mm -hmm. is these people are literally tricking you into thinking that this is the best life you could have. Yeah. And it's, it's like, not. It's, it's like not. pedophiles. Like, they prey on kids. Like, they know how to draw a kid in, which is absolutely disgusting. Narcissists know how to go in for, like, a weaker girl's like a characteristic a weaker girl may have, and then they can like suck it out of them and just bring out the worst. And Wh they believe them. Which one of y'all were telling me about you have to watch out for pedophiles that have certain careers? Was it one of y'all two that were telling me about, or was that another guy that was in here? 
Um, I would believe it. it. it well, no, I had to go. I went and looked this up. I, I had to because it made so much sense. No, it was Matt. It was Matt Oxley. I remember exactly who it was now. Um, but he was telling me that there are certain people that are career pedophiles, mm-hmm. and you see them a lot in the school system. And you see them a lot as pediatricians. It is very fucking alarming. Pediatricians? Yeah, scary. That high school um, principal that was just arrested in our hometown. Some of these people, some of these people, and as a police officer or a former police officer, retired, uh, I'm going to ask you this. What would be, did you ever have to work with any, I guess, any pedophiles or anything like that? We had one guy responsible for that. One guy? One guy. Well, my thing is what I'm trying to figure out now, what kind of some of the warning signs are. Like, because the stuff that I've been watching lately and as much sense as it makes, uh, there are people that literally are wired so fucked up that they're pedophiles that they choose a career path because they know they're going to be around children. It's disgusting. Yeah. Think about how all the teachers you hear about, though. Well, and I think a lot of times, too, and, and I don't want to go too, too much in depth into it because it, it'll start – giving away some things but yeah. sometimes when you got a bad employee yeah or you got an employee that'll make you look bad yeah you let them resign and, oh, and they yeah. go somewhere else yeah so that that whatever happened there now it's gone to happen yeah. again it it happened at our high school when I was there we had a coach we had a coach that was literally been fired or resigned resigned from five or six different schools five or six different schools and at our school, he ended up sleeping with a girl that was like 16. Mom and daddy found out about it. Mom and daddy pressed charges. He didn't get a chance to resign then. But they got like a huge settlement, huge settlement, because they found out that this person was had resigned for a similar instance from like several other different schools. And that, See, that, happens, in a lot of, that happens in a lot of occupations. I mean, I, and I'll go ahead and tell you, law yeah. enforcement. Yeah. Are, are guilty of it also. Yeah. I mean, we'll let somebody resign and, and knowing that it's probably somebody that should have been fired. Well, I think what it is for the most time is the system, whether it was a school system, law enforcement system in that county or, or whatever, trying to save face. Right. Exactly. But exactly they, they kind of, what pisses me off about that is they would rather save face than put somebody in their place. Right. Like, I would rather that person, I would rather the the school system be like, hey, look, we fucked up. We hired this person we shouldn't have. They're clearly a bad apple. Let's deal with it that way instead of let's send them off to somewhere. That's where all the stuff, you ever watch the movie Doubt? Mm -mm. Y'all know what that is? Mm. There's a movie called Doubt, and it's about uh, this priest. It's like an Academy War when a movie came out like 10 years ago or whatever. Um, it's got Meryl Street and Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. It's so good. Catholic priest had been shipped from parish to parish to parish. Every time, resigned, resigned, yeah. resigned. Same accusations every single one until a mother found out about it. And when a mother found out, it was it was like blown up. That's why, I like the uh, whatever it is, I don't even know what it's called, the diocese or whatever. Uh, they've owed they. You know how much like Catholic priests are there. I don't even know what the hell the name of it is. Whatever it is. They're attorneys. I'm just going to say they're fucking attorneys. Yeah, yeah. You know how much they have paid out for children that have been abused? And it's never the kids that got abused one time. It is because they were negligent. They were always negligent because they were like, here, just go work somewhere else. That's and fucked that's, up. Yeah. Like, I, I, if I knew that somebody was like that, 
and and I do unfortunately know someone that's like that. It I, I don't care. You say what you have to about that person. You have to warn the next person because you can only do so much for a pedophile, you know, on earth. Like there's only so much you can do legally. Like you, you have to call them out. Like you right. have to shame them publicly. Is That's it, the only way to get back at them. Would I be arrested if I said we should shoot all pedophiles? Is that premeditation? I wouldn't know. <laughs> I probably wouldn't say it. I probably wouldn't say it. Well, it's premeditation. <laughs> shoot all pedophiles. No, oh, actually, okay. actually, I mean, you know, there's, there's a big difference. And like I said, I think a lot of times people get, get confused when they start saying, is it premeditated? No, some people just, that's just the way they feel. That, yeah. That's, that's, that's opinion, how they right? feel. Yeah, a feeling that's, that's a feeling. Meditation. I mean, yeah. just because I feel a certain way don't mean I'm going to act on that feeling. Yeah. Correct. You know, and that, a lot I'm of not, times I'm in the South. I'm definitely not going to, unless it's my child, but then I'll murder you. Gotcha. You heard it here first. <laughs> right. I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll look at the police officer in their face. <laughs> you touch, you touch my child, don't fuck kill See, you. I was very care. fortunate, very fortunate. I never, in 31 years, yeah. we've always had somebody that you know, a very small group, and and I understand why. Yeah. I mm. would say this, and I joke about that a lot. Mm. I don't think I have the heart to be a law enforcement officer that deals with that every day. I could, I could. I, 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 me- I mentally, emotionally, could not deal with it. Yeah. So if you are an officer that deals with it, you have my utmost <laughs> fucking respect in this world. Because there's Amen. no way I could do it. I would murder everyone. That's that's Wait, that's I've- an emotional. Had a friend that um, all the way through high school named Ricky. I'm not going to give him his last name. But Ricky um, was always in ROTC, always the, the stand-up straight guy, right? He's the one that became the GBI, and we got back in contact a few years ago. And so he was the one that turns out he pretends to be a 13-year-old boy online. He, I don't think he does it anymore because he was telling me he could only do it for a couple of years. And then... He was like, um, I think he read my book, and he was like, April, he goes, I wish I would have known. He's like, I see it now, all the stuff that, all the red flags. But he's like, but I was like, we we were both kids. Like, how could you have done something? But he was telling me now, he's like, I see it now. So, um, but he deals with that. And he said he could only do it for like two years. He said the things that people would say to him, um, they would travel out of state. He said one time um, they arrested over 60 men coming to meet a 13-year-old boy. That's horrible. Yeah. Mm. You remember when I was telling you about the Alaskan Avenger? Yes. Okay. I literally found the article. That way, next time y'all's in here, I could read it to y'all. Here it is. Right here. This is a photo of the Alaskan Avenger smiling at his brother that is being sentenced to 23 years in prison. The Alaskan Avenger, Jason uh, Verkanik, uh, would seek out sex offenders on a registry and break into their homes late at night and beat them with a hammer. Uh, Jason himself had been molested and beaten by his adopted father when he was a child. He told one of his victims that he was an avenging angel for abused children. All right, that's my type of shit. <laughs> I just, I wanted, because I told y'all the story before, I wanted to make sure I found it. Like, I respect your buddy, this GBI. I respect law enforcement to do it. I respect that guy for doing it. Uh, I told y'all, I don't think a pedophile changes. I'm cool with people no. like that existing. Like, it's, it's fucked up. Like, I'm, you know, an eye for an eye, whatever. If the good Lord strikes me down one day because I said, let's kill all pedophiles. Uh, you know, it's probably not a good thing. But you know, but like I said, what what's what's that guy feeling? 
Have, have feel, we ever felt what that guy's feeling? No, not I couldn't. Not a clue. No, not a clue. No, there's no. There, I I could never feel the way April feels. No, I couldn't. That is why I like continuously have talked to people about you since you came in here, mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted some more validation with Lance coming in here. Got your name right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> is because your story is so fucking important. Your story is more important than any other bullshit I do on there. Because more people need to know. There's there's kids, if you think about it, that we went to school with, that we were the same ages with, whether it was back in the dinosaur times when Lance was in school <laughs> or when I was in school, that kids, parents, everybody needs to start looking for warning signs. And it start a lot of it starts in their phones. I mean, the one week that me and you did that oh God, whole thing, crazy. I mean, it's disgusting we were how messaging many guys. Lance. Like, just both of us, like, all of us just upset, like, so upset. And we're like, we can't do this. Like, the things <laughs> I heard, like, I had to literally go in the bathroom and throw up because these guys are so persistent. And they're literally, like, if you can think of, like, an animal in the wild preying on a smaller animal and they're just waiting to jump and attack, these dudes are literally waiting to jump and attack a child. And when you have kids, it's really hard to, like, not go in a store and hold their hand when you hear some of the things we've heard just that happen in our town like sex trafficking is in house and county period and it's scary because that could easily be one of our kids and if you start looking through their phone if you start seeing the apps that they have it it can open your eyes to oh my gosh this person talking to my child may not be a child it may be a grown man or woman and that's disgusting yeah uh there needs to be more people that are aware of the warning signs i agree i don't know how you teach the warning signs i really don't because if i think i think I guess everybody at this table knows what a Karen is on social media. Yeah. Karen, oh, Karen, yeah. Okay, everybody knows what Karen mm-hmm. is. Unfortunately. The problem with teaching some of this stuff is you're going to have people that are overzealous. That mm-hmm. all of a sudden, if they see me, I hold my daughter's hand or I grab her by the neck or head or whatever mm-hmm. we're in public or whatever. First time somebody comes up to me and is like, uh, do you need help, little girl? I'm going to get fucking pissed <laughs> because you're a Karen, right? Yep. But I don't, at the same time, I kind of am glad that they do it, but don't do it to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't do it to me. I, I, if that makes sense to anybody, but there almost needs to be, do y'all ever remember? Cause I had, a, I'm having trouble with this. Do y'all remember a counselor coming up to you in high school and ever asking you if anything was okay or everything was okay? Nope. Nope. Especially not mine. <laughs> okay. I, well, that's the thing. I don't ever remember a counselor talking to me, which I never went through the stuff you went through April. I never did. I never remember a so-called counselor ever asking anybody that I know if everything was all right. Well, see, they knew I was abused. Like, I was telling you. Did they ever talk to you about it, though? Well, see, I was in elementary. When I first went into elementary, when I was in kindergarten, I would scream and cry. The counselor was a male, and the principal was a male. And it was a small town back then, because I lived in McDonough back in like the early 90s, so it was really small. Um, one, it was one uh, elementary school and like two classes for each grade. That was it. And so when we moved there, they knew, but it was such a small town, they didn't know what to do. So the council and the principal, they got together and they, got, they called my mom and they said, you need to take her to the doctor. And I told you, they took me to the doctor and the doctor was just like, I can't examine her. She won't let me. So, and they're like, she's been abused. 
And that's all that they would say. And they didn't follow up with my mom. They didn't make a, a case. They didn't do anything. They just threw me in special ed in hopes that I would stop screaming and that I would open up and talk. Can, can I ask you a question and you not take it the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Was your family at the time lower income family? Yes. Okay, that's why. Yeah. My parents. As fucked um, up as it is, the more and more that I kind of look mm-hmm. into shit. Yeah, we, we, we would be the ones that yeah. they would – um give us the the hand media on clothes that people left behind yeah. in the in the school like the lost and found clothes they would give them to us um i would always be the one that get free lunch um i remember i had one teacher that would always buy me ice cream every week because yeah. all the other kids had ice That's cream sweet. so I, I remember her um well the the sad thing about that is the more i read stuff and look into stuff there are a lot of people especially back then back then i think it's probably a lot better now that if you are a lower income child, they you don't give a fuck crash. about you. Yep. If it if it if it would have been a white collar kid, mom and dad, mm-hmm. whatever, lawyers, whatever, mm-hmm. they would have paid attention to because you were a lower income child. Mm-hmm. I was screaming for yeah. help, literally screaming. Yeah. They, and no one no one cared. Yeah. They think with lower income children that you're just going to end up being a fuck up anyway. That's what I've been told my whole life. Yeah, that's what that's what's fucked up when you really think about it. If you were a lower-income child, they almost be, view you as a burden in the school system. The quicker you get out of the school system, the better. They ignore you. And those are the ones that usually need to have a little bit more love because, like you said, you don't know what real love is until you've experienced well, it. And well, think about how fucked up this experience is. experience it later. How many times, which in, y'all might have never experienced this. This is might this be from my personal experience. Did y'all ever, like, have, like, the, the smelly kid? The yeah. kid, okay, you had the smelly kid, right? We had smelly kids. I remember teachers picking on the smelly kid too. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily picking on them, but hey, you know, you need to brush your hair, you need to brush your teeth, you, you know, do you, and not like not always in a bad way, but like, hey, can I help you? You know, with something like that. They were they would call them out. Teachers didn't even realize at the time that they were making these children stand out. I think say, you know, kind of reminds me of when me and April met. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of stuff about, you know, she yeah. was telling me. So you got these teachers, same position. Yeah, they're like, uh, what do I do? I, I give you money to buy you ice cream, or I give, you know, but yeah, emotionally, uh, the emotion. Sure I can touch. Well, you. a lot of people use monetary things to cover to up cover for up. emotional distress. Yep. That, that's what they do. That's their way of saying, here, let me help you. Because it goes back to money buys everything. Yeah, money buys everything. Mm-hmm. So that teacher that bought you ice cream probably got a... Knew something was wrong, but didn't know how to help. Didn't know how to approach yeah. it. And back then, you know, it's not the way it necessarily is now. There's a lot of... Te- you, teachers can do a lot more things now as far as reaching out than they could mm-hmm. back then. Back then, I don't know how y'all would go, but like there was this one time in my school that I, I had a counselor, and I wrote a short story. And my short story was about, uh, it was supposed to be a Halloween thing. I, I don't remember what it was about, but it was like gory. I like gory shit to this day. That's what I would like. <laughs> my daughter writes about the same stuff. Uh, my counselor thought there was something fucking wrong with me. My mom comes up to the school, and is like, she reads it, and she's like, this is really fucking good. Like and the story's talking about like killing your mother in the thing, but it's not. But no, it's a Halloween fucking story. Like we grew up watching Stephen King, right? 
yeah. like stuff like that. And instead of like the counselor being whatever the is, don't fucking do this again. There was no like hidden agenda or anything, but they paid us attention to where the other kids in class, there might've been somebody less fortunate than me in class and they just ignored. Like, I don't, I don't, not like a bunch of the stuff with the school system, but if it would have happened nowadays, it would have been reversed. It would have been the other kid that half-assed wrote something right. that whatever it was, and they would have paid them attention, but then they would let my gory ass slip off to the side. It's just, it's very weird. It's very weird now. And I, I hate, obviously hate you were lower income. I hate anybody's lower income growing up because it just makes living harder. But I think that's why you didn't get the attention that you needed to get because they probably just viewed you as she's going to fuck up anyway unless it's not paid attention. Well, I told you about um, my mom's drug habit growing yeah. up, how she went from, with my real dad, went from using heroin to go into street drugs when she, I mean, popping pills when she met my stepdad. Um, and the way, one way that she got her pills was by being a hypochondriac. I have every disorder that you possibly can't test for, like lupus and rainoids and all this other things like that. So my whole life, she would always be like, oh, I'm sick. Oh, my body hurts. And I'm like, because all the pills you've done, all the drugs you've done. So that's why we didn't, we didn't have money was because literally we were on a, uh, the government money. Government assistance. Um, yeah, for her. And then my stepdad, like I said, he had a rough life and he was actually shot like three times and he used to work but couldn't. So his uh, was a little different, but he didn't make much either. Um, so that's what we, we grew up on. Well, like your book, it's titled Breaking Chains, right? So you've got your kids in such a safe place and in such a different place than what you were raised in. You're not only breaking chains, you're breaking generational curses. You're providing mm -hmm. that stability for your kids that you didn't have, and that's cool to me. I think that's neat when you can come back from something like that when you've been raising and it's all you know, but now you're doing it with your family and you're showing them, like, hey, you don't have to live the way I did. Like, you've completely flipped the script like for said, your family um, dynamic. Oh, I, like I said, I'm the, the first in my family to go to college. Um, my sister went, I think, after me, and she finally graduated after 10 years with a bachelor's because she kept changing her mind. But we're the first in our families, and I mean generations, going back all the way from our Irish and Cherokee side, like all the way back on my grandma's side, to ever go to college. We were always the, the rednecks, always the, the people that, that were like my mom who had drug problems or drinking problems. They're like, um, I have a cousin still. I have a cousin who's 17 that never went to school. No one ever checked in on him because, like I said, we were poor, and my whole family was poor. On that side, they never checked in on him. Um, so no one ever noticed that he couldn't read and he couldn't write. And he's 17. Um, no one ever cared that he slept with, in the bed with his mama. No one ever, like, really gave a care when his mother committed suicide a few years ago. And I'm like, this is what we have in my family. When, when I was telling you, we have a lot of suicide in the family because we have a lot of drugs and we have a lot of alcohol issues. Because well, we were told we're not worth anything. Well, you've heard of generational wealth. Generational trauma is the same thing. You pass stuff down as far as mental health issues, as far mm -hmm. as um, being an abuser, addiction. All that stuff is passed down. You have to, at some point in time, you have to fucking say enough mm -hmm. is enough. 
I to this day will not drink around my daughter because I grew up. I drink, but I will not drink mm-hmm. around my child. My child will never see me drink. Well, we might be going to the SEC championship game on Saturday. <laughs> she might see Daddy have a couple beers then. <laughs> Go dogs. Um, but you have to at some point in time. You have to say. I'll give you an example between me and my sister. My sister was an addict. Uh, mm-hmm. She runs a group home down in. I was actually a cult, but uh, she runs a cult down in Hazelhurst now. Uh, and it is where my sister had been to prison a couple times. Uh, take prison once, jail a couple times. Uh, she'd been in and out of rehab. She's six years younger than me. So my sister started using drugs with my mother, I think, when she was about 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. I didn't start drinking till I was 18 or 19. I never took my first sip of alcohol till the end. I've never smoked cigarettes. I've never done hard drugs because I watched my mother and my father do it when I growing up. My sister used what they did as an example of what to do. Mm-hmm. And they made it okay for her. Like, it made it to where it normalized it for her. Mm-hmm. For me, it made it to where I never fucking want to put myself or my child or anything through this. And it does that with people. Yeah, so yeah. it's just making it normal. Being fuck-ups are made normal not because of you or anybody else. It's your family said it was normalized that situation for you. And that's why there are a lot of kids that can go to school. And there's a lot of kids that grow up thinking this is just the way of life because they don't know any fucking different. That's why you don't see the warning signs. Mm-hmm. Um, you gave off warning signs. Your teachers are the ones that deserve to have their ass whooped. I mean, no, no, no offense, no but offense, yeah. your, your teachers should have been taught that we're not just going to put her in special education classes. We're going to figure out what the fuck's well, going on. Like here. I said, with the with the doctors, like I screamed. That makes no they, sense for me with the doctors. They knew that None. too. Well, it was one in particular that I, for some reason, like he tripped me out um, because I remember I went to the same doctor since I was four. Um, yeah. When I got older, they put me on depression meds. That was their cure when I was fourteen. Let's throw her in depression meds, which actually made me worse and try to commit suicide. Um, they Depression knew I, meds are fucking yeah, stupid. They, they, knew I, they knew I was a cutter. They knew all this stuff. And so finally when they're like, oh, well, the depression meds aren't working. And she's completely gone cuckoo at this point because I started seeing everyone turn into my dad and yeah. then turn into Satan. Like I was literally screaming like, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah. And so they just threw me into a nut house. For a few weeks. But and I was 14. Also, the same question I asked you all ago. At that point in time in your life, the doctors you were seeing or whatever, I'm guessing you're still lower income at that mm-hmm. point. And you oh, probably yeah, was, have um, Georgia healthcare, free yep. healthcare, right? Yep. So you have to go to certain doctors. Yep. Those certain doctors are not there mm-hmm. to fix you. Those nope. doctors are um, to push you out and, and just get paid by the state. I, I remember, they don't give a shit about yeah, you. I remember one incident when I was in the, the place, and it was in Atlanta. Like you said, the state was paying for it, mm-hmm. so they were getting a certain amount of money for me being there every day. Um, I remember one day I had an episode, and you can't control the the episodes of like when you start to see crap. Yeah. You can't control that. So I had an episode, and I remember I was like the model student. Like They gave you grades for all the kids. All those other kids that were in there – they were like juvenile, like, um, should have been like in juvenile hall. You yeah. know what I mean? They weren't crazy. They just had rough, really, really rough lives. And somehow they got thrown into that place. Um, but I was the model student, the one that they would be like, follow April, follow what, what she's doing. She's d- doing good. But when I had a, like a episode of where I would, I was seeing the counselor turn into my dad 
um, he went, my grade went from an A to an F to where I couldn't do any extracurricular activities. And my, um, I remember my stepdad, um, would be the one that would come and see me. And he's like, this, he's like, this isn't, mm -mm." and, um, it took him two weeks to get me out, but you know what? They never, the hospital never followed up. They never did. Nobody ever did anything to see if I was okay. Like he was the only one that was like, well, I'll give you, I'll give you a metaphor that'll make sense to people. I hope it will. Uh, if you are a state-appointed attorney, you usually get messed with, right? Because if you are pu- as a public defendant, that's what I meant, public defendant. And with a public defendant, you got one or two things that happens with them. One, they absolutely love people, and they want to represent the disenfranchised. They want to represent the people who can't afford an attorney, and they take pride in that. And they will do the best job ever for you. That's 10% of public attorneys are public defendants. The other 90 is to push you through the system. When you get someone like that doctor in that facility, they're not there to help you. You're going to find a facility, one out of ten, that is there to help you because Mm -hmm. you can't afford real help. But the other 90% is literally to push you through, Mm -hmm. and you are going to go along and get along, or they're just going to say to hell with you. You'll you'll figure it out your own way because they're just there for a paycheck. They wanted to actually keep me, but it was to keep me because... (laughs) Because they were making fifteen thousand dollars a day. Yeah, that's what they want to do. That's that's really what they want to do. They create customers, like a lot. I think a lot of physicians do. And I mean, they will create customers, and they don't try to treat the actual issue that's going on, whether it's a mental health issue, where it's a physical issue, whatever the case is. They just want money. That's all. You got to find a good doctor. I'm scared to step foot in a primary care physician's office since everything I've been through. I I will tell y'all the same thing I tell every damn body when it comes to this stuff. Only since the beginning of the last century, since whatever it would be, probably 1920s, 1930s, people didn't go to doctors. People didn't. Sucked it up. No, they sucked it the fuck up. Cowboy up Mm -hmm. is a real thing. You ever seen a cowboy back in the day or when you watch old westerns or you hear old stories or whatever, and they're like, they had to go get mental health pills. (laughs) Let me ride my horse to my doctor physician for my fucking Xanax. No. (laughs) And I'm somebody who's a suicide survivor. I've got Mm -hmm. 11 plus years, but I don't take the medicine. I never have. And it's because I figured out a long time ago that you have to come to terms. You have to have a grip on your stuff. You either can let yourself work for your demons or your demons can work for you. And that's where I want a lot of people to understand. It's even like I was telling y'all about my shoulder before, like how I cannot get a good night's sleep, but I'm not taking pain pills because if you start taking one, then you got to take them every day. Your body gets dependent on it. My shoulder hurts like hell sometimes. But I think about these men and women that work as contractors, as laborers, and that's all they'll ever know, and they have to get up every day and they have to go to work. There's no way their body doesn't hurt more than mine. Their body has to hurt. And they get up and go to work, and they don't take pills. Some of them, I'm sure, do. But there's probably a lot of them that don't. You know, but, but it's funny because it, it doesn't affect everybody like that. And my dad, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying it, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. So he always would tell me, he said, look, if you ever drink, just just beware. Be aware. So, and, I, and I'm with him like you are with your daughter. I don't drink in front of him, you know. But I also I, I tell him say look I, I know what you're talking about and and I'm not gonna go there. Yeah, you know? uh, I mean th- th- that's respectful though. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But it's the same way with you, the pain pills. Like, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to take that chance. I'm too scared. Yeah. I'm too scared to do. For the main thing, I got got buddies. I'm around musicians all the time. I got buddies that do some good drugs. (laughs) I won't fuck with them because I know me. I know if I let myself snort one line, it's over with. I know. I see how much fun they have. Mm -hmm. I'm snorting lines all the time. And I know that I can have just as much fun sipping my whiskey, drinking a couple beers, and you now I take my my Adipex and my Adderall right. uh, to drink with. I don't even, you know, <laughs> that might be, I might, I might abuse those, <laughs> but I don't take them every day. I might take one a week. When, I, when I've got something I've got to do, I've got to get up for it. But I'm not going out breaking the law to go get Adderall and Adipex. Right. I'm going to a doctor. I did. It's what? horrible. It's <laughs> yeah. horrible. I mean, it's just bad when it gets to that point where you Well, if anybody you... needs to get rid of their Adderall because they're scared of it, <laughs> I will dispose of it for you. Just bring it by Raising Grace Studios, 148 Cochran, Georgia. I Just leave it here. Do y'all ever see the old thing or the old meme to where uh, like cops would post it on their Facebook pages and it was like, uh, there's a bad batch of meth going around and we don't want any of y'all to get sick. If you'll bring it by the police station, we'll test it for you. Someone did. Someone really brought their meth to a police department and had it tested. (laughs) Do you know what the moral of that story is? What? Don't do meth. You'll turn into a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, how stupid can you be? I, I, um, I couldn't get into meth. It but you know what? I, I tried one of those Delta 8 gummies the other day, yeah. and I tripped. Let me tell you, my husband took two at once, and I took one. And But it made, me re- <laughs> <laughs> it made me realize something, though. What? I had a deep epiphany. Um, I realized because I tried to do pot before for yeah. my um, PTSD, because I've tried all the medications, like the pills, and I've yeah. tried natural stuff. But it made me realize why it's such a trigger for me. Let me tell you. Um, because I start, I get very, very paranoid on that stuff and yeah. I can never figure out why I'm getting so stinking paranoid, um, more than, than somebody else. And because most people take it for their PTSD, but I'm like the opposite. I'm like, why am I always the opposite? I can't find relief on anything. And it turns out that when I was, I was tripping, I just, I realized that, um, I remember telling you when we first met and I was talking to you about everything that happened to me. That how what they drugged me, right. that they drugged me, and you were like right away, you knew that it was with, with ketamine. Mm-hmm. I think you're the one that told me you were drugged with ketamine mm-hmm. because of the symptoms and everything. So when I get like was taking the Delta Eight or taking you know taking weed or whatever to try to chill out, it was almost this, uh, beginning the same effects where you feel relaxed and then suddenly like you you get like that dizzy, that head, the way your head feels. Um, that's the way that the ketamine was making me feel at first, and then the ketamine paralyzed me. So I'm always thinking that the weed or that the Delta A or whatever that I'm trying to take to relax, when I start feeling relaxed like I did, I, it's like a trigger that suddenly I'm going to go paralyzed like I did with the, with the well, ketamine. Well, first off, uh, I would not recommend the gummies if you're trying to relax, okay? Go for a Marijuana... Mar- marijuana has a great effect on your brain. That's one reason why I believe for so long it has been uh, against the law and everything. Now they're just figuring out how to tax it. So everything, marijuana was never bad for you. Now, if you sit here and smoke it all fucking day and you're just wait like a just useless person, you're still not probably finna go out and rob nobody for no fucking marijuana. Like, you know, it's not that bad. But... When you take those things, I want you to understand, 
you probably could go to a doctor and get mer- uh, medical marijuana for your PTSD and all that kind of stuff. That's what you need. You don't need to take stuff that's been altered like the gummies. The gummies and stuff, I take that for recreational. And I don't take them very often. And I'm learning the dosage of it. Um, you, you you cannot take a gummy for that. See, my brain is always constantly going over my trauma. Like, constantly. And then also, at the same time, when I'm going over the trauma, I'm telling myself, just like other people say, that can't be real. You're making it up because that's what I was told by my mother, by my, by my, you know, other people. Yeah, but when, if your brain, if them, your brain's always look at it like this, if your brain's always going over it, when you're trying to take a gummy, you're trying to cover that up. That's not fixing it. That's putting that's putting a bandaid on a gunshot. You have to come to terms with your trauma. You like, I'll tell you, if I was you, I'm like, I'm obviously, I can't tell you mm-hmm. what to do. I would realize if I was you, every time my trauma started creep, like creeping in. I would realize all the good that I have done now because of my trauma. Your trauma's never going to fucking leave you. You you either have to own your trauma or your trauma's going to own you. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. That's I think why I think, I think you're doing awesome a fucking great it. job. I mean, you're out here job. telling your story. I, I, th- I think what you I think what you failed to realize is the shit you went through how I tell people all the time with your pain comes a purpose. But you have to let that purpose happen. Your purpose has already happened. There's a lot of people uh, that just don't realize why they went through the bullshit they went through yet. You're living yours. You you are, and like not trying to be ugly, you live too much in the past. I know that is very hard because of everything you've been through. Mm. But think about what you're doing right now in the present. You can't ever go back and change that shit. But you have literally took all the bullshit you have been through and made Victoria's Lighthouse, You've done your book that's helped people. Mm-hmm. You've done other stuff, and you're moving forward. You need to focus on that. You're, the stuff behind you, you know why it's called it the past? Because it's behind you. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to. That's a Lion, Queen, Lion King quote, by the way. That's Rafiki. Rafiki. <laughs> I was literally yeah. thinking that in my head. It's Rafiki. No, it's one of the I best quotes ever. It, it really, really is. is. Yeah. The past um, is in the past. Yeah, you have, to, you have to let it be behind you. Mm-hmm. If you don't. It's gonna consume you. There's shit that I wish I could. I wish now I'm 34 years old. I got in trouble with the law when I was 18 and when I was 21. I have not been in trouble with the law since Gracie was born. So, 10 years, 10 plus years. I was fuck up when I was younger. If I let myself still view myself as the person who stole scrap metal, that got a DUI, that broke into the tractor store. And stuff like that. When I was young, I could never fucking live the life that I live now. I walk around my head held high now because I've made amends for that stuff. Helping people, like helping these kids with his toy drive for the past six years. Um, giving back to veterans. Doing stuff like that. It's making amends. It's fixing the things that you did in the past. You've already made amends for all the bullshit you've been through. You've made amends for the people that have did the bullshit to you and you don't even realize it. Like... You don't ever have to forgive those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And you don't I would don't have to ever forget what happened. Mm-hmm. But you have to take that burden off. I think you're the only person that can too, though, coming out of trauma too and you're transitioning into the world and trying yeah. to figure out how to do things right on this side of things after getting out of your trauma, it's hard to it is. 
process like okay things are actually okay yeah because i'm like things are gonna mess up things are gonna mess up like Mm -hmm. me and sean are actually getting along we're actually engaged like is this real and it's like yes it's okay to actually be happy and feel good emotions it takes time to get used to things being good when you're used to things being don't constantly sit there and live and waiting on the other shoe to drop I think you've come a long way from... You have. I mean, could you imagine yourself, like, in the middle of all that, knowing, like, future you would be sitting here with a retired <laughs> officer, me, I don't know what I'm really doing, and, you know, recovering addict, but then, and, you know, a Josh Sherry podcast. Like, what are the odds that I'll I never be sitting I'd, here together? It's like Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're all at the same table. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what the fuck is I always like. think that um, being a public speaker now and doing stuff like that, because, like I said, I'd scream my cry. I, I'd say words wrong. Uh, I stumble on my stuff. Uh, there's certain things that I do that, that public speakers, good public speakers don't do, but they don't have like my story. They don't well, have my message. So I'm learning. Like I think you're the one that told me because I was, I was so worried about telling my story and I was writing it down and, and doing all this and I was like, I'm going to read it. And I read it for the first few times because to me that was the way that I could do it. And you're the one that said, "Stop that." Yeah. You said, "Just talk." It's just that's exactly. That's it's not the best a advice he could have yeah. gave you. It's not a lecture. It's your yeah. story. You said, and "Just you talk," tell and it. I started yeah. doing that, and I feel like I flow a little better, yeah. and I'm still learning how to tell it because um, I do bounce around. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, mean, you I, do t- I told you that. I, it's not that you. <laughs> I knew that I do. Your story is worth everyone hearing. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's just so much to it because um, like I didn't even get into the part where I got my granddad killed yeah like we didn't even reach that like there were so many things that we didn't talk about that well it was good that we didn't talk about off. some of it because that gives people a reason to go get the book yeah well, <laughs> that's what I was trying to tell you like there's a you don't want to give them all you don't want to give every little bit of it but I'll tell you this when it comes to public speaking there's a reason why they teach a college class on it you're either born to be a public speaker or you can be taught to be a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Unless you just have a, excuse me, a fear of public speaking. Do you have mm-hmm. a fear of public speaking? No, I don't really like big crowds, but I just take off my glasses fr- so I can't see them. <laughs> there you go. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's fine. <laughs> if I take them that off, everybody's blurry. That so I'm smart. like, hey, I don't see you. I not don't every, concentrate on you. <laughs> being a public speaker is not something that everybody has. But if you're not petrified of it, there's like a real fear of public speaking for people. And as long as you don't have that real fear, you're fine. You can be taught. Mm -hmm. When I told you, when me and Jen and you were sitting around that day and I was telling you, your story is great. You bounce around a lot. You need a step. You don't need what every single thing you're going to say is written down on a piece of paper. You Mm -hmm. need the outline of it. You Mm -hmm. need, we're starting here, 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 here. And you almost need a clock. And every time that clock hits five minutes, you move on to the next thing. You don't have to. You Your story is so remarkable from where it started to where you are now. that That's what pub, somebody teaching you public speaking, that's all that is. You just need to learn to do it better. Because once you can do it better, you're going to touch a lot of people. You've already touched a lot of people. I mean, the first TikTok that you did, it blew up overnight. And that was just you mm-hmm. simply just telling a little bit of your story. And I think that that literally got through to a lot of people because that was, yeah. like, powerful. I was sitting there crying watching it. Like, that's some serious stuff that you went through. Like, that's trauma, like, hardcore. It, your whole thing is, like I, I said a while ago, is you are one of the fortunate people that you're living your purpose right now. There's no way you went through all the hell you went through and survived it 
to where people were not supposed to hear your story. Oh, they're supposed to. And I mean, that's, yeah. you're going to go back and help people. And like the training that you do to teach people what signs to look for yeah. when it comes to trafficking, I think if more parents knew that or more mm-hmm. adults knew I put that, part of it on TikTok, um, yeah. just briefly put little snippets of my training and stuff up there. Um, and if anybody ever wants a training, all they got to do is message me. Yeah. And I don't care if it's one person or 10 or whatever, if I have to do it on Zoom or if I have to drive an hour because I've drove all the way to Alabama. It don't matter. I mean, I'll find a, a way to do like it. That, you could reach a I, lot of people. I think you need to work on being a counselor at school. Well, see, oh, um, that that's what that's what I think that you really I think what's going to be. And I told you this mm-hmm. before, all the other stuff you're trying to do, I think is good. I really do think that it is. It's honorable and good. I think where you are going to find your real meaning behind all this is helping kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I really do. I think the second that you get put in the position to where you get to help a child. Because mm-hmm. I always like look at them. Like when I look at the children that fell through the cracks, I see myself. You got a servant's and heart. So it's. That's why, like, the stuff that I've been trying to do lately goes to the kids. Like, the yeah. shelter that I want to do, um, that's why I want to help the ones that yeah. know if everybody, like, I see them as the underdogs of the underdogs. Yeah. Because the boys are not looked at as being trafficked, and they, they're trafficked just as much as the girls. You're going to be a light to those so kids. It's, yeah. it's me. Um, it's just... But, but it's also, we, you know, we sat down and we, and we talked about it, and there were certain things that we were going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And then there were certain things that we were going to have to look to others for. And, and that's, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the hard things get to that, do. I think once you yeah, get everything in line, then you need to go take care of something, like, like you said. Yeah. Know, something that you can, you know. Yeah, I need to find my, my spot, my yeah. specific spot. You can totally relate to those kids, and you know firsthand what signs to look for because you know what signs were overlooked with you. Right. Mm-hmm. You, so. you literally, and it just hit me, I mean, not that you're in any of this for mm-hmm. money or whatever, but there's almost, if you sit here and think about it, because I'm, like I told y'all before, I'm fucking weird. I think about mm-hmm. always creating a market for something. Mm-hmm. You almost, if you if you do this the right way, you almost not only can become a counselor, but every school now is so scared of getting sued for sexual abuse from a teacher or whatever. There's almost needs to be a position at each school or in each school district to where there is a counselor that is strictly for that alone mm-hmm. to where kids can feel like they can come to you and not only can they report abuse or being or anything like that, but they can talk to you about that home life. There's just really not a counselor that you feel there might be some other places around here. I don't feel like there is a counselor for that. No, but you you almost, almost could like create a market. Yeah, yeah. Home, yeah. Um, exactly. I know right. that my principal at my children's school, the elementary school that they're at now, she knows briefly a little bit about my story. And so when they have they have um, parent one parent from each school goes to the the department when they're going over the sex ed education stuff to go and represent their school and say, yes, my kids can learn this yet. No, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. And they take a vote on what's going to be in the sex ed for the next like couple of years. Um, so she automatically, she's like, April, you have to go to this. This, this is, this has to be you because no one's going to understand what needs to be be on there. Um, we did go and, um, we offered 
our trainings uh, for teachers uh, for the schools. We were supposed to start setting that up. I don't know what happened with that, but it kind of fell through. Um, but at least we were heard. And then they also were like, this program's from the 60s. This needs to be updated. And shortly after all that, Governor Kemp now has signed a law that uh, sex trafficking has to be trained in high school and middle school levels. Um, trainings like what we were giving to our young uh, teenagers, which we used a program that um, was called Chosen that you can download and you can go buy. We were showing them that program, um, which is great for teenagers to, to learn and understand. And we, trust me, they know. They know more than what you think they know. Um, and I always say that you leave that line of communication open with them and talk with them. But that's one thing that uh, we were trying to do. But somebody else did it. Like Lance saying, I just have to learn my spot and where I'm meant to be. And I'm still going through that. I think it's that's falling okay. in place for you. Yeah, I don't – I mean this in the fucking nicest way. I think you're the ground-level person. I think you are the person that a child comes to, they feel comfortable with, they talk to you about it, and then you push it off. But you have to be cool with the fact that you're the ground-level person to where you put it in the correct hands. That, mm-hmm. But it's also you should hold the person that's one above you accountable. Mm-hmm. That, the same thing for that person, the person they push that child off to should be held accountable to the higher person. I think that you're the person that probably starts it all. I really do. Like, even if it's, like, if Lance was a police officer, uh, still, you should be able to go to him and say, this happened with this child. Mm-hmm. Lance handles it from there, takes the child out of the home or whatever, or CPS helps him do whatever, mm-hmm. and then that child is put into somebody else's. But Lance should hold that next person accountable. Um, I really think that's where, I don't think that you do the whole thing. I don't, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but no, I think it just that's took t- me a while to figure that out. Well, just think the more that you spend time seeing it all the way through, the better chance that you miss another kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You have to be the gateway. You have to be the gatekeeper. Uh, and I, and I think that's where you will fucking prosper. And I think that's it, it'll um, do so much good to you. I know that that's why I decided to go back for my master's and do yeah. the counseling with the emphasis in trauma. And I did an extra two years for trauma, but they just solved the program and I lost everything. And now I'm at the end where I'm over over you know almost a hundred thousand in debt and I'm running out of money. So I had to pick a degree that would fall almost fall. I still have I still won't be able to complete all my classes with financial aid where I have to just, you know, get the loans and pay it back. I'm still going to have to come out with another three grand towards my last class. And that's why I did the public administration because, and with the emphasis in um, government and policy, because I was like, well, you know, this is one thing that I'm interested in. And it's the only thing that I can do at this point to get, to get a degree in. So I can't get my counseling degree at this point. You ever thought about going to intern with some counselors? That's what I was trying to do was I was at that point. That's the only thing I had left to do was my internship and I couldn't find it. That's all I had left was, was a year internship. That was it. Um, but I did notice though, that like I was telling you when I did was going out there and we had a few cases that I would talk to you about that would leave me in the bed for like a week or more. I didn't know how to balance that self care or balance out where one, it didn't trigger my trauma or two, I'm, I'm such an empath that I was feeling their trauma. That's what I meant by you being entry level. It's written all over your face. You get too tied up into it. 
and that's not a bad thing. That just means you're a servant, like you have a servant's heart. There's passion. Yeah, you just you're passionate towards it. But if Lance would have got tied up in every single case that he had ever been on, he could not move on to the next one, Mm -hmm. and he couldn't do them justice. You almost, I don't want to say the word cold. You almost have to, once you hand it off, you kind of got to be, what, forgetful maybe about that previous one or it's going to just bother you at right. night. Like you, There's some people that have that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have that. I don't have that. How did you do it? Yeah. Well, oh. was, the thing that made me think about it, there's an example, and she'll, she'll know who I'm talking about. There was somebody that she brought to me and just said, hey, we, we might need to look at it. I'm like, I don't think that person's being truthful with you. <clears throat> so you could have spent all that time on that one person. Mm-hmm. Whereas once you pass her off to me, it's like, yeah, that might be yeah. one you want to stay away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't do just it. Be, uh, just sp- because yeah, you, speak, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, but speaking of one of them, <laughs> yeah. one of them's doing great now. Yeah. The one that we, me and, uh, you know, the the other lady that we always yes. talk yeah. to you. Um, but that's and that's where you that's where you got to realize mm-hmm. there's some there's still going to be some. But I had to, I had to like step we away from about. her too because yeah. remember I, I spent like over two years trying yeah. to get her to go into a um, shelter or to go into rehab yeah. and yeah, she and couldn't that's what he's saying. until she got sick and literally was like you're gonna die if you take another step. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna literally you got you have a tough love. You need to have that's the word I was trying yeah. to fucking yeah. say. Tough love. She literally has to have a transplant and she slept. She did. Yeah. She slept, but now um, she's been clean for. Over six months, yeah. you would not recognize her. Um, she has communication with her kid. Yeah. She's not on the street anymore. I'm so proud of her because it's like, man, I had to step away because I've been called to you, you trying to help you so out. many times. And yeah, you have to. You, there's, there's no way. I know, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful towards you. I couldn't do it. I can't put myself in that position. This is me helping here. I want you to understand that this is where I know that I can do good. By having people like you on my show, having all, both of y'all or all three of y'all on my show, and then having the other domestic violence shows and having the other shows like this. That is what I can do. Because if you were to put more on my plate, I would get too tangled up in it. Mm-hmm. I would get too emotionally connected. And I would be worthless to everything else in my life. I know that about myself. Like One thing that a lot of people don't have a... Having a self-understanding is huge. Of what you're good at, mm-hmm. what you can do, and what you're not. Mm-hmm. There's some realms that I stay the fuck away from because I know I can't deal with it. And it looks bad on me sometimes that I can't. There will be people that will ask me, you know, how come you're not going out with April going to, you know, these uh, hotels or whatever you do, passing out the, the breakfast and stuff that you've mm-hmm. done before. Why am I not doing things like that? You know why I'm not doing things like that? Because the second I open one of those doors and I feel like something's wrong, I'm going to want to punch the dude in the face that's in the room. I know I can't do it. I am not mentally capable. I know my limitations. I'm not mentally capable to do it. And then I would literally, it would drive me insane mm-hmm. if I didn't do that and I saw that happening. I would... Think about it. I would lose sleep. I would overdrink. I would overthink until I went back to that hotel and opened that door again. And they're probably not there no more. And then I had to live with that for the rest of my life that I did not do that at the time. That week that we were, you know, doing the whole 
pedophile thing, like trying to catch a pedophile, you know. There's though. no way in hell I could do that. Oh my gosh, it was hard. <laughs> I'd murder you, I fucking everyone. That's all we Now, I mean, I used to go track down a boyfriend, no problem in high school, yeah. but tracking down a pedophile was like a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. And we did it first try. But it was an around-the-clock kind of thing. And, you know, I mean, I messaged both of you guys like a million times, like, what do I say now? And it's sad that in the middle of it, you're worried about you getting in trouble trying to catch someone like your Alaskan Avenger friend. Like, you literally, I was so worried that I was going to get in trouble. And I've already been in and out of the court system. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to go back in the court system for trying to help. But that's not my job. I'm, I'm not a police officer. I'm not an investigator. I was shot out one time and thought I was. But at that point, it was like, it was I had to do this for healing. But I had to get up and well, go throw up. I just didn't. And that was a, that was that was the bad part of me having to tell you guys, like, hey, there's certain things you can do. Yeah, it's easy to go out and and do that. Yeah, entrapment isn't yeah, that the word? But to, but to prosecute it, it's got to be done a different way. I, I asked him that question on the last show. I asked him because I knew there was a fine line. Yeah, there is right I, there that you cannot cross. And right. see, when it and when it came to that, I didn't want to put my phone down because I knew that if that guy was not talking to the what is it called when you're decoy person, whatever it was, you know, when he wasn't talking to fourteen year old me, he was going to be talking to another kid, and right. I did not want him talking to another child. Because it just physically made you sick. But what you you have to do in April in that situation, you just have to help educate people. Yeah, that's not like I I call one and I'm done. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. It was bad. No offense. That's not your job. No, it's not. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. Yeah, you don't want to go into it. No, that's, I mean, it's not. You need me to help you find some people it's on not the your, internet. Yeah. I'm good at that. Well, that's, that's about that, it. That's why you pay good men like this sitting next to me, though. <laughs> you can't if say if I there, haven't if, done that before. If there, if there is a problem, yeah. you trust your law enforcement. Absolutely. Now, if there's a pro- now, like if you know 100% there's an issue and you pass it off to a law enforcement officer, mm-hmm. they do nothing, like I said a while ago, hold them accountable. Get on their fucking nerves. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think I did that with my. He knows, he knows why I'm laughing right <laughs> now. But, but by you getting on their nerves, that's when you help somebody. True. Yeah, see, he knows well, why I yeah. laughed at that. And because... the good thing about that is, is there was there was avenues that we could go. Mm-hmm. And, and if we went to that first avenue, and that guy's like, "Oh uh-uh, no, uh-uh, ain't ain't happening." Well, okay, uh-huh. move to the next avenue. We'll he was all for fourteen-year-old me, and that was disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, oh. there's there's different avenues to take, yeah. and, and don't bog down just because that one guy gives you a hard time. You move can't on. move hey. on. Yeah, I wouldn't I'll find it. somebody. That That's why I was surprised. I That's mean, what we we ended up doing. Yeah. going to a different, going to their state instead of all, right. down here. Yeah, you can. Well, you gotta kind of gotta know the law too there now because they're handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Right, like you can't go to an officer in Warner Robins and say this is happening in Michigan or where it was Missouri. Mm-hmm. They really, <laughs> they really can't do shit. No, sorry. You know, guys. I mean, I'm for, but then it's not that they don't want to do it. Right. And it's it, not that they can't take your stuff. It's just they got to make sure it was done in a certain way. Yes. The worst thing you would it want was, is to have 15 kids come forward and say, you know what? This guy did it. He did it all 15 of them. And then come to find out, it's like, oops, we did something wrong. Yep. We're going to have to let him go. The law sucks now sometimes. Now, like, oh, he, yeah. he, he, he's right. I called Lance, like, right whenever it happened. And I had gotten off the phone with the Missouri Sheriff's Office. And I was in tears. I was like, oh, my gosh, they just arrested this dude. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are you serious? That's awesome. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I want to do this again. And I wanted to do it again. But I get so emotionally the attached way, yeah. to it that I, I But can't. think about it like this. If you really wanted to do it again... Then you ask Lance how to legally 
do it again. Maybe you go to the police academy, <laughs> and maybe maybe you do well. things to where the law teaches you how to do it in the right way. And that's the thing not that y'all did it in the wrong way. No, no, no we did not. it. But we for legal it. reasons, why? Because you don't want this guy just to get locked up one night. You want this son of a bitch to spend the rest of his life in jail. We were watching. Yeah, that was, that was one of the issues that we were watching other groups on Facebook doing this. Very. Oh, don't watch that shit. Malicious as we and they were doing it for publicity, but they were calling him out during the meetings well, there's, yeah. and and they were blasting him on social media and those groups are now disbanded and they, they had to put it on their own personal website but we were like we didn't want to do it for the publicity or the glory we were like we really want him to go to jail and in a week's time I'm very impressed with ourselves on this one within a week, less than a week we had Figured out everything about this guy based on his favorite restaurants in a whole nother state. Figured out where he lived, what he drove, where he worked, who was in his household. We figured everything out down to it. But you realize that if you'd have made one mistake, yes, that this guy could get completely off the fucking hook, and then you could probably get in trouble for what you was doing for enticing. We were lucky. We were so careful. I I had to pray my way. It worked. It worked out. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's great. In the end, it worked out perfectly. I'm glad as fuck y'all did it. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm so glad. It's just there's been people I'm just that not a trained since, professional. Yeah, it's just been people since that show was done and we talked about it. They would reach out to me and they're like, why aren't you doing something like this? Or why aren't you helping people? Because I fucking am not doing it. No. I know police <laughs> officers. Never, I won't ever do it I, I know police officers. I will call them if I have a hunch on something and pass it along and then right. you figure it out. You need me to help you find a boyfriend or something like that? We can do, but I'm not. I cannot get mentally involved in trying to track right. down a pedophile. I'm all for it. You do what you got to do. But I'll leave it to the professionals. That's, that's why I was fortunate enough. Like I said, 31 years, I never had to do that part of it. Mm. And don't I, would, I couldn't have. Mm. I, I, I know Especially that I am parent. getting locked up by internal affairs, <laughs> affairs in the first week of it. <laughs> Some, a pedophile slipped and somehow got shot. Like, I, he was coming at me. He moved the wrong way. I thought he had a gun. Uh, I'm, I'm locked up. Mm-hmm. I know what is going to happen. I'm not. But I've had... A lot of people, because we do have police officers coming here quite regularly that I'm buddies with, and they'd be like, how come I've never done that? I give this man a lot of respect. I give all police officers a lot of respect because I know mentally I could never be a cop. I couldn't. There's too too much cowboy, wild, wild west, mafia (laughs) shit in me to where if I see something wrong, I'm probably going to do the wrong thing. There is, uh, we, we are lucky to live in the country that we live in, that we have the justice system. It fails a lot of people. A shit ton of people. But we just saw with Kyle Rittenhouse and then the other guy from Statesboro. I'm ready for uh, Yeah, in the past week, that the justice system does work. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things that fall through the cracks. But there is something about people having to face that jury and everything that is special. I know I'm probably not sending many people to the jury. I know, but it's that's also why I know mentally I couldn't do it. So, like, when I'm telling you while ago, April, that there's just certain things that I don't think that you, you need to do. It's not I'm knocking you. is I think that you would be good in other aspects. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think you being a counselor is your is what... Well, like I said, I can't be a counselor anymore. But, like you were saying, because I do have that background but, of it, and I, do, and I am getting public administration, right. maybe I could twist those two into doing what there's you were saying. There's no way. There's no way. If you go... With with the degrees that, that you have or working on, there's no way that you go to some of the schools in your area, share with them your story, and say, "Hey, look, I want to be an intern. 
Yeah, not for your degree, is... not for your degree. Yeah. But for an intern for experience and tell them what mm -hmm. you have in mind. There is no way that some of them take you on as an unpaid intern. But what people fail to realize about unpaid interns is if you do a good enough job and you're helping, they're going to fucking make room for you on the payroll. They're going to. You have to prove your worth. There are too many people now that just want to get handed something. I'm, I'm not saying you do. I can't take my license. Yeah. I can't finish, but... But if you're you in the same, that. Yeah, but if you're in the same room as a counselor, uh -huh. you're not technically a counselor. You're an assistant too. Mm -hmm. I could probably do something like that. Yeah, that's or, what that's what I'm saying. Or I could um, do what you're saying and fight with the school systems and work within the school systems and say you need these counselors, you need this, and set that up, and to make I, that happen. Yeah, but I would do it by example. Mm -hmm. I would prove why they need you. That's what I'm saying. Like I would offer, if I was you, I'd offer my services. Mm -hmm. And whatever way that they think that that you would be needed, and explain to them what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I think that all the stuff you're trying to do is just fucking great. I think that you don't realize how some of it, how hard it is, because it is hard mm -hmm. for a lot of the shit that you're talking about doing. But you have to build. You have to build. You working in a school system is is if I was you, that would be my goal. I did write like a lot of papers on it. Um, what I went through and what I wanted to change within the school systems, yeah. especially when with this public administration, I've done right like three papers on the, the school systems and public administration in that that area. So maybe you, you know what my advice to everybody that said to defund the police was. Hmm. I said that if everybody thinks there's such a problem in law enforcement, tell them to go join go law enforcement mm -hmm. and fix the problem from within. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing. If there's a problem in the school system with these kids getting overlooked, and I think there is, mm -hmm. then join it and fix it. I mean, there's there has been over time because, like I said, I did papers on it. So in 1960s something, there was the the act that helped the children left behind, and then over the years, each president has enhanced it. I think Obama was the last. Um, no child one left behind is a joke. Let's yeah, not talk um, about that. <laughs> well, I'm That's saying, a fucking joke. It is, but I'm saying that Ugh. there's things that I can go in there and enhance and do yeah. and say, this is what needs to be changed. This is the area you need to be listening to and concentrating on. Yeah. I think teachers have a lot on their plates. I mean, they take care of kids all day long, our kids. Like, they're with them. You Don't know, forget from, the fact how underpaid they oh, fucking yeah. are exactly. and they're paying out of their and pockets then, and then you throw stuff. in like more education training for like it's just sad that it comes to the fact that you have to train teachers on sex trafficking signs and abuse signs like that's just really sad you like, know how you have the secret people at walmart that walk around and watch if folks are stealing anything yeah mm -hmm. okay you almost need that in the school system Absolutely. You, you almost need a individual walking up and down the halls i'm sure there is all right there might be, there might be, but you almost need that. Almost needs to be you. Like that's what I said a while ago when I said creating a market. Mm -hmm. You have to think outside the box. You have to do stuff that nobody's thought of doing yet to fix the problem because it's obvious that nobody has fixed the problem yet. You're not going to fix a child being abused at home, but you can fix the negligence that the school system gives towards them children. Yeah, I can say whenever I was on drugs and in like the height of my addiction before I went to treatment or anything like that. Um, I walked into my kid's private daycare and jacked up on drugs and there's no way that they didn't know. Like 
and you let them get in the car with me knowing that I was clearly jacked up. Like y'all, y'all did that. Like I was, it was horrible, you know, and I admit that and it was awful, but it's, that just goes to show, I don't think it's necessarily a privilege thing, kind of like you were saying, you know, at that, when it comes to that point, because I mean, my kids were in like a, a, a nice little it daycare is, facility. It is a privileged thing because you, you just so? said. You well, okay, you maybe just it said is. Private okay, okay, you opened my eyes up. Not, yes, okay. you're right, you're right. You're <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, I'm telling you. If, but they, it they is turned a, privilege a blind thing. eye to it just like they turned a blind eye to you growing up. You know, it's like, well, they, they did it. Yeah, but how many soccer mom? moms go into a privileged daycare and they've been sipping wine all day or eating Xanax because they're stay-at-home moms? Oh, you know, I mean, you know, they're probably accustomed to it. There's a there's a gray area there. Like, I know, like, I would hate, I mean, obviously that burden's kind of pushed off on them. It's like, why didn't anyone say anything? Like, that guilt would have been with them the rest of their lives, heaven forbid, had I left that parking lot and something happened to my kids. Knowing that I was jacked up, which is not their responsibility to raise my kids, I get that. But it's like, if someone could identify, hey, she's jacked up, those kids don't need to get in the car with her, and somebody could have intervened then, I mean, that could have been a life-changing moment. It's a fine line. It, yeah. it, it's a fine line, because I even think, like, when somebody gets a DUI, .08, was it, is it point oh eight? .08? .08. .08 for a DUI. For me to be where I can not drive, I'm, it needs to be way higher than a .08. I think everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's a fine line. Like, I know, and you can't arrest me, <laughs> uh, my favorite thing to do in this world is to ride dirt roads. In Dodge County, where I grew up, there's fucking, we got the most dirt roads in the state of Georgia. You can get from point A to point B. It's great. I never drive more than 20 miles an hour to where I'm going. Is that morally okay? Probably not. Is it legally? It's not legal at all. But I've never hurt anybody. I've never wrecked doing it or whatever. I think that's fine. Now, if I was on the bypass driving 100 at the same amount of alcohol in my system, that is mm-hmm. fucked up and doesn't need to fucking happen. There needs to, it almost needs to be different laws for people when it comes to substance abuse. Um, I was joking with you earlier. I'm sitting here having a beer now while I'm sitting here talking to y'all. I'm just, I was just in a mood when I woke up today. I got two beers sitting in front of me. That's probably all I'll drink today. But some people be like, oh, he's an alcoholic. He has a problem. No, I want a fucking two beers. Yeah. I limited myself to two beers. I have shit to do the rest of the day. That's why I was talking to y'all. I wanted some beer. It happens. And, some people say he's got a problem, but I don't. If I had a problem, I'd do it every day, and I wouldn't know when to stop. You know, it's just everybody and that's has different functioning alcoholism and functioning addicts and stuff. People that can't. I don't understand a functioning up. alcoholic, to be honest with you. There's no way I could do it. There's no way I could yeah. work and be drunk. I maintained functioning addiction for a while, just like getting up and jacked up off no sleep. But you did coke and Adderall. You were always just ready to do some shit. I was ready to get it done. <laughs> you was just, you, you was ready to work. You, I did, was. you didn't want to fucking sit still. I did it. I still don't. But April, because uh, we'll wrap this up. But uh, I think you're doing a great thing. I think you just have to find your niche. Mm-hmm. That is it. I think that you have something very, very special that you cannot teach. You have life experiences that are really going to help some people. Um, you don't have to listen to me. I don't mm-hmm. expect you to listen to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think everybody does their own thing, and that's what you should do, what feels right to you. I think you focusing on helping kids and maybe getting into the school system is where I think you make the biggest difference. I don't want to deter you from doing anything mm-hmm. else, but I think that's where you make the biggest difference. And that, it may stop that other stuff going on in your head, too. Yeah. You just don't put too much on your plate because you're just like me. You get too invested. I do. 
Don't do. you can't you can't because the passion coming out. It is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But just know, there's better outlets for your passion. I mean, that, that's I know that I can't do certain shit. I promise you, there I would I would bust my ass to do some things, but mentally I could not handle it. Could not fucking handle it whatsoever. Wouldn't be good at. It. That's why I don't try to counsel people because I get too invested in that person. And then my mental health and everything goes to shit. Mm-hmm. It does. You can't do it. It's not that you can't help. You just have to know That's where to I hand like, it off to. I was like into doing those those things that I was starting to do, but with COVID and I'm still waiting on the the foster care to open back up to letting us do it, was I was saying that these kids need that that person that they feel like they can they can go to. And so I was helping to build the gap between the foster care in our in our town and the police department. We were working on doing a um a baseball game where people bought the tickets for uh first responders versus the foster kids. And um I even named mm-hmm. a my mascot, I mean a mascot for Victoria's Lighthouse is the shark. And I named it Lance the Shark after Lance. <laughs> nice. Um, I haven't been able to use him yet. He's still in the closet, but we were going to use him at the baseball game. And um, then all that money was going to go towards a dance because all these kids, they don't get to go to prom. They don't get to do the mother-father dance, uh, the you know, mother-daughter or the, those. Yeah, yeah those are, the, yeah, there's so many of them now. The school has like three or four of them throughout the year. They don't. They miss out on this. So we were going to do a dance where the first responders come back again and is like their dates or whatever, mm-hmm. and building that gap and that bridge so they have I know who they don't can go want to. you to think I'm an asshole. What I'm about to say, okay? Uh, I don't. I don't think any of that's a bad idea, but I think I don't think it's the avenue. I think what you do is, like, if you did the softball game to raise mm-hmm. money for that, why don't you open up your own business as far as counseling? Like, you don't – I think you can go under life coach. There's life, life coaches. Coach. You, can go under, you can go under stuff like that. Look, that's sweet. I swear to God that is the sweetest fucking idea I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. But after that night, what's that kid got? Well, I'm not. I'm the, not trying to be ugly. Yeah, about I it. mean, I was going to continue doing things like we were going to do a movie night. We we're going to do one yeah. thing a month that would continue. What, Give them something to look for. But what if you had a mm-hmm. safe place for them to come and do that all the time? I was trying to do that. Remember, I mm-hmm. sold my first yeah. motorcycle, and I think I rushed into it, yeah. and I uh, tried to open up like a thrift store and also have that where the women could come yeah. in. But it just it, you need a base of operations to do all. There's this one. Shit. There was one place in uh, Kimberly with the other organization does that in Atlanta. She opened up a pizza place, or like it was like a safe spot for the yeah. kids to come after school, like the foster kids, or if they're having a bad day or whatever, or they have no place to go, um, they would go and hang out there, and it would be free. Yeah, there's that. That would be when you're doing stuff like that. That's what I would more focus on instead of it being instead one of being night doing a, month, a shelter or something yeah, like that. Did, doing a, a, did, a there's spot. no way with what you're trying to do. Once people hear your message, this is exactly how I'd market it. I would take my book, your book. Mm-hmm. I would go to almost every business in Warner Robins. I'd give them a copy of my book. I would tell them, give them a card too that had your social media information. Mm -hmm. And I would say, look, I'm fixing to open up a safe place for kids, a place that we're going to market for children to come. They have a safe zone to where Mm -hmm. if anything is bothering them, 
They can talk to me. You, I mean, you do have a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. You could probably get... I have a degree in psychology already. Okay, you could get people mm-hmm. to volunteer. You also, mm-hmm. because your business is a nonprofit, mm-hmm. you would have businesses that would donate stuff. You would have mm-hmm. people that help pay the bills on that building because you wouldn't have any overhead. You'd have rent, and mm-hmm. you'd have light bill, and you'd have internet. That's I think it. that might be the smart way to go instead of doing a shelter, yeah. you're saying, mm-hmm. and sticking with them, yeah. because that is so needed. Yeah, it's so needed in our area. Well, think about it. then, then what you do for yourself mm-hmm. because you are your brand. Understand mm-hmm. that you are your brand. Then you go to these schools, and you ask these schools, "Hey, um, same thing. Take Promote them, your, the spot. Ta- yeah. take them, take them to book, and ask them, mm-hmm. hey, can I do an assembly? Mm-hmm. Can I do one thing where I talk to the kids for a few minutes? And hell, I'll work with you on your public speaking. I, I will. I'm I'm very good at it." For one of the weird fucking things I'm good at in this life <laughs> is public speaking. All right, I'll but, take you up on that. But I'll teach you how to mm-hmm. public speak better. Okay. You go to these schools, and then these children now have a connection with you. In the spot, yeah. Then they know that they can go to this place. You give out, you mm-hmm. leave your phone number mm-hmm. to where you have an answering machine or whatever, an extra phone to record the mm-hmm. message that come in. All of a sudden, it goes from the stuff that you gave me, the Georgia Care stuff, mm-hmm. to where you've started... Victoria's Lighthouse has a safe haven for these children to come to and reach out to. Mm -hmm. And then because of Lance and other police officers, if somebody comes and something bad is going on with that child, then you hand it off. Mm -hmm. You've done your due diligence. You gave these kids a safe place. I think that's the perfect, um, well, I am a genius. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, (laughs) when you were saying like the schools and I was like, I, I don't really feel like that was my, but now that you're saying it and cause no, the school, the schools is probably, the schools is the way to go, but it's probably harder to do. It is. Mm-hmm. But I think, it's probably I think getting a lot my foot in the door with the assemblies and, and doing the place. and There's no and way, just doing a, there's a no way schools song. don't let you talk to their kids. No, you had what? an ordinance no, um, passed in Warner Robins too, didn't you? I was going to one of the, the high school. That high school, I was supposed to yeah. um, go in there and work stuff out with the principal. Like I said, a lot yeah. of things just get pushed back. Um, with COVID and everything, um, but I need to start going back to the schools because I was starting to do that yeah. and say, let me educate your teachers. Let me give them a training for free um, or and let me even yeah, but understand the, when you offer all that stuff. And this is just me being a business owner now. One reason why my show has been successful is because I have a base of operations for you to come to. It gives your organization validation mm-hmm. to have a storefront. So when people can come there mm-hmm. and they can literally see their dollars at work, their product mm-hmm. at work, there's no way with five-star Chevrolet, everybody that's up in Warner Robins that owns businesses that are millionaires, if you go to them and say, hey, look, everything that I do for the next year, you break it down to where if I can get 10 businesses to donate $2,000 over a year, it's $20,000, that's probably your operation cost. You don't have anything else tied up into it besides your time. You're already putting your time into it. Now you're given an outlet for the children to come to, and it's not necessarily a daycare. But I'll tell you this. I started off a lot of this by asking you if you're lower income. If you offered services for kids to come to and they didn't have to pay, well, mostly the families that are going to do that are lower income families. Mm-hmm. They're going to take you up on that. And then you get to see firsthand if these children are being abused or if they're missing mm-hmm. out on something. And then you can talk to them. It's, mm-hmm. it's how you tie up everything together. Mm-hmm. And that's what you really have to do 
is, you know, I, like I said, I think all the stuff that you're trying to do is great. I do. I think it's fucking wonderful. But it's hard to do some of those things. Yeah. This would be the easiest thing and, and most effective. And it's, it's effective. It's so needed. needed. So yeah. if anybody out there listening wants to help. <laughs> well, you got to start it. You got to you have to go to realtors that rent buildings in Warner Robins. You have to come up with a business plan. Yeah. If you need help with any of that. I do. Between the three people I'm in this asking, room. I between do. the three I people in this room. I'm not talking about financial help. I'm talking about I know help organizing. Lori like, yeah. could help you up. with yeah. real estate and everything. Oh yeah. Lori, yeah. She it's coming up. It's that. coming up on the beginning of the year too. Leases expire. Perfect time. Yeah. Now would be a great time for you to contact realtors. But understand. You have to have a business plan. The mm-hmm. realtors don't need to know your business plan. Nope. The realtors don't need to know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Once you rent that property from them, as long as it's not fucking a bar see, like, or something crazy. Yeah, see what happened with like what I said with the last one I rushed in? Because yeah. I always put all my money and my energy into everything I've ever done myself. Yeah. I never had anybody to back me up. It's always yeah. been mostly like me going straight forward, yeah. jumping headfirst into things. So when I saw my motorcycle to do it, I didn't realize that there was all these code stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't even get like an air conditioner. I couldn't even, I couldn't afford anything yeah. else to, to all the water damage, all this other damage. And I couldn't figure out why, you know, like there was like three pages of things you, that I needed you to do. Need to, and I couldn't afford it. You need to find a building that is on for commercial. That is not necessarily in the best part of town. That's where I was. Yeah. But yeah. you <laughs> realize, realize, you need a place that's accessible to children that are probably lower income or lower middle class. You need a place that's sown for commercial that's probably almost on the bad side of town. Yeah, you know where I was. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was the perfect location for that. It's just not that particular building. I promise you come up with a business plan. Uh, I am a great fucking talker. I will help you get businesses involved. I probably know 10, 15 businesses. The guy who's running for labor mm-hmm. commissioner right now owns a couple of big fucking businesses, mm-hmm. and me and him are buddies. Okay. There's no way he wouldn't attach his name to something like that. But the main thing when you're doing something like this, mm-hmm. you have to have a business plan. Okay. You have I'm going to start researching. You have to have what you think the light mm-hmm. bill is going to be at this place what your internet's going to cost you monthly, what you're going to do for these kids, all this kind of stuff. You start off with a business plan. You find the location while you're doing the business plan, Mm -hmm. and then you reach out to businesses before you ever even sign a lease Mm -hmm. and say, this is what I'm about to do. And you could get the majority of it paid for. And then you will have people that you do these events, like the the firefighter versus the the kids, or first responder versus the kids or whatever, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Those things help pay for this stuff. You have to do step A, step B, step B. You t- said it earlier. You'd like to jump around and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why you write out a business plan and you <laughs> you know step by step by step what to do. Okay. And you got some friends and you got good people in your corner that'll help you. I think what you are doing is great. It's just you have to find the avenue. And I think you almost opening up a free, I don't want to say daycare because it's not a daycare. You open up a free place for children to come to. A student center. Yeah, something like oh, that. Yeah. I don't know. There's there probably go. there's probably a tax loophole somewhere that mm-hmm. you can there's an official title Absolutely, that you would yeah. need. You, you would need an official <clears throat> title to where it's not a daycare because you're gonna mm-hmm. have to have so many standards if it's a daycare 
or something. I don't know what it would be. I think what she said, student center. I think there's probably I don't, and it might be that that might be a good enough title. I don't know. I don't I'll, know. I'll I just do remember it from Boy Meets World, an episode <laughs> off of Boy Meets World. I'm not going to Don't fucking listen to her. If, if she heard that off Boys Meet Wor- Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. Hey, I used to watch that show One good too. thing came off of that, and that was Topanga. That's oh it. Oh, my gosh. I love Topanga. Good, me too. I don't know. I um, but no, literally. If you need any Have help. Have you seen the newer one? If you need any gosh, help or anything yes. with it, you know, let me know. Come up with a business plan, and I will help you. Okay. I, I know realtors I got my homework. Are, yeah. I got homework now. Yeah, this, I love homework. It's weird. <laughs> I fucking Because I love, uh, I love research. Growth work. Uh, well, we're getting off here, but Jen, thank you for coming, Absolutely. setting all this up. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't get to meet these awesome people, so thank you. You're welcome. Drop your podcast one more time. The Set Free Podcast. Instagram is jennifer.morgan underscore, and my skincare is... Pomifera, P-O-M-I-F-E-R-A dot com slash Jennifer Street. And you do, Street you on. do facial care? I do so much. I'm all over the place. <laughs> you say I'm all over the place. It's my favorite. Hey, yeah. no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, you got a business plan. I got a business plan. plan. And a- one of your friends actually took my poll on hey. Instagram. I don't know. He's got, he's one of the musicians. Was he here the other night? It depends. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. George? Does he got a... Blue check by his name? Yep. Yeah, he's a good old boy from Texas. Nice. He's, yeah. a, he's a good old boy. Well, if he wants his Pomifera, he can order it. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know him that damn good. Um, Mr. Lance, thank you for your 31 years of service. Uh, like I said, we love our police officer around here. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for that, and thank you for coming here. In April, mm-hmm. I promise, I promise, I promise, between me and the people listening, uh, you come up with a good business plan, and you'll get help. You'll get help. You'll get help. I'll work on it. God provides. Yeah, he does. You're, there's no way with what you're doing you won't get help. Okay? All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. I will catch y'all next time.